This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Well, they're trying to sell him on uh, just the program that they've built so far. They have the fourth-ranked defense in the league. And interestingly, that is a foreign concept to Derek Carr. Uh, The Raiders' defense has been historically bad since Carr broke into the league in 2014. In fact, they've given up more points over that span than team in the league. So that, you would think, would have to be appealing to Derek Carr. So the Jets are going to try to sell them on that, plus the fact that they're going to have a new offense. And, you know, it's a wide-open quarterback position. His job, uh, he can keep it. You know, there's probably going to be no threat from Zach Wilson, I don't think, or anyone else on the roster. So, you know, that's that's the stuff they're going to sell him on. Well, there's no question, Rich Samini. It's his job. <laughs> He's not going to fight for it. He doesn't have to do anything. Hardesty till midnight on 9870 ESPN. And listen, the Jets are doing the smart thing. And I get it. Some of you don't think that David uh, the, the Carr's, you know, Carr's good or, you know, he's not that. He's, he can't play in cold weather. I get it. I understand. Okay, I understand. I get it. But for them, the major thing here is they can't just sit back and wait and see when Aaron Rodgers comes out from his cave and what's he going to say when he comes out? They have no clue. They have to do their due diligence. They have to go out and speak to Carr. They have to. I mean, why wouldn't you? He's He is a very talented quarterback. Uh, I know the Jets' defense, there's numbers about ranking and whatnot, but let's face it, for the last during that six-game losing streak, they were not great. Okay, now part of that you could say, Larry, they weren't great because they were on the field for most of the, for most of the season and they wore down. Maybe whatever the excuse you want to say is, but the bottom line is, aside from the poor offense, the defense's inability to get off the field on third down cost that team, cost them even more. And yes, we all know that the Jets are not just a quarterback away; they are a quarterback away from a competent quarterback away from making the postseason if everything points up the way it continues to point up the way it did last season. Yeah. But they've got other issues, and we don't have to sit here and wax poetic about it. You know what it is. It's offensive line. It's pass rush. It's also salary cap issues. I mean, all weekend I've been reading these various articles from the various Jet Beat writers about how they have to you know trim trim salary here and move something over there and do something here to try to, you know, make sure that they are not over the cap and to be able to do some things that they need to do. Okay, so, you know, that's what they have to do. And so, yeah, I'm, you've got to have that conversation with Carr because here's the thing. And I know we can sit here and we can rationalize about, well, we don't really want Ryan Tannehill, but the one thing, Tannehill, we know he could do something because he had, you know, he had a great running game in Tennessee. And, you know, we know that we have a great running back here in Hall and we can do some things and, you know, stop. He's not the guy that's going to take you to the next step. It's just not. And when your owner comes out and says he's ready to spend big money, break the bank for a quarterback, he's not thinking about Ryan Tannehill. He just does it. So for me, 
if it's not Rogers or Carr or Jimmy G, I, it's it's a tough thing. It's tough. Now maybe they'll come up with something else creative, but once again, they have to do their due diligence in making sure they cover the bases. They may want Aaron Rodgers. They may think they have Aaron Rodgers. They may think that they've got an excellent opportunity to bring in Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers' uh, agent may have said, "Listen, if he's playing, he wants to come to New York. Your guy, don't worry about it. We just got, he, he's either going to retire or come to New York. Well, great. He could say he's retiring, and then you know, Carr's gone somewhere else, and Jimmy G's gone somewhere else, and then you're you know, sheepishly calling." Tannehill's agent to come in and Tannehill's agent's going to try to hold you up because they know what situation you're in. They know how desperate you are to try to get a competent quarterback to play this position. Because, I mean, Seattle's not letting Geno go. Geno had a remarkable year for them. And I don't think he would go back there anyway. And I know some of you are laughing and thinking about Baker Mayfield coming here. But, I mean, let's face it, the, the Jets excuse me, are in a tough position because of how bad Zach Wilson has been. And so now they're in a spot where they have to try to find somebody to elevate this this game, their, their offensive game, because of the fact the defense has shown an ability to get better. Are they a Super Bowl caliber defense yet? No. Are they an up-and-coming defense? Absolutely. And they can only get better with experience and more players and everybody understanding what their role is and for an offense to help keep them off the field. Rich Amini agrees with me. He says Joe Douglas is covering all of his bases by talking to Carr. I have a feeling Derek Carr is going to take more visits. I, I don't think this is going to be a, uh, we're not going to let him leave the building type of situation. So I think he's going to take a little more time to think about this. He's already visited the saints. We know that. I think the Jets probably, in a perfect world, prefer Aaron Rodgers over Derek Carr. That would be my personal choice. I think Rodgers gives them a higher ceiling, even though a, probably a shorter window because of his age. Look, Joe Douglas is a smart GM. I'm sure he's investigating the Carr scenario. He's already reached out to the Packers. He's trying to get a feel for what this guy might do. And I, he's not going into this Carr situation blind. No, he can't. And I agree with Rich. He he knows. He's had the conversations with Green Bay. Green Bay can't tell him anything because <laughs> they don't know what he's doing either. They know how they feel. They know what they're going to want for him. They know what how many draft choices and how many first-round and second-round draft choices they want for him. So that they, they've probably had preliminary discussions on. And, yeah, most all the Jet fans want Aaron Rodgers. And why would you not? I mean, he's a better – of the three I listed for you, he's the best quarterback available. Yes. Yeah, we get all the stuff that he brings to the table. We get the age. We get how bad he was last season. We get all the things. We get the fact that he's only won one Super Bowl and as great as he's been and all the stuff. We get all the negatives. But the bottom line here is – if he comes to the Jets, he immediately gives you credibility offensively, and he immediately puts. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Is the fact that already 
Nestor Cortez with the hamstring. And he says, I saw today that he says there is a, it's a possibility, a chance, chance that he could be back in time for opening day with the hamstring. Luis Severino, once again, is a person that has not been able to stay healthy on the mound. And you have Domingo Herman. So you're looking at like three right now of your top five. And you're wondering, okay, what, what are we going to do? What, what is he going to, are they going to be available? What's, what's happening? Okay. What's going on with this, with this lineup now with this rotation now on paper, all of them healthy. They should be very good. I mean, the top three with Cortez, if he can come back and do what he did last year. I mean, with Cole and Rodon at the top, Severino was excellent. So that top four should be really good. I mean, it's among the best in baseball, if they're okay. And that's the big question, right? That's the question. Because even when you look at Rodon, in Pittsburgh, he had some uh, – Pittsburgh. In, in Frisco, he had some issues staying healthy. So, you know, you're concerned about that. You are. And then right now you're looking at your bullpen. I mean, are you confident with Lou Trevino? I mean, Luizaga is outstanding. You know what you're getting from him, provided he can do that for you the whole season. Had a slow start last season but came on. So if he can – if he can continue to be, if he can give you more consistency for the length of the season, that would help you. I mean, Tommy Canley, which one are you getting? I mean, he was excellent with the Dodgers last year, but I mean, I, I don't know. I, I He was very good when he was here. Then he hurt his arm. So, you know, Wandy Peralta was outstanding. Is Clay Holmes your, your closer? Can he be that guy? And which Clay Holmes are you getting? Are you getting the Clay Holmes that was lights out first part of the season? Are you getting the one in the last couple of weeks that was struggling? So that's that's the concern you have and what Jeff Passon was talking about as far as the Yankee starting rotation is concerned. And it also goes to the bullpen. The one thing I will say, excuse me, and Gordon talks about it as well. And it didn't just start, it didn't just start with Aaron Boone. Joe Girardi did it well as well when I was in covering the Yankees was he would find some young arms in the minor leagues that you could bring up and they would be fabulous in the pen. So I, I suspect that the Yankees will be able to do that. They've been able to be consistent with that. So there's some fireballing lefty or righty that's in the minors that we're not even thinking about or talking about that, you know, is going to come back, going to come up and surprise you and maybe answer some questions. But, you know, your starting rotation is what you're looking for. You're hanging your hat on. And listen, Gary Cole was... And it always seems like we're picking on Gary Cole, who, who is the ace of the staff, and you just expect him. He's pitching against the way he pitched in Houston, okay, when he was dominant. And so that's what you expected. When you signed him to that $300-plus contract, that's what you expected. You expected him to be dominant. And he was, he was very good last season. He was very good. His problem was he couldn't keep the ball in the park. And so... Now you're in a scenario where, you know, you got runners on base, you got, you know, can't do the shift, you got all this other stuff. So now he's, they may not be solo home runs. They may be two, three-run home runs. And so that's the concern you have about him. When are you going to see that Garrett Cole that was close to the one in Houston? 
So that that's the question you're looking for there. As far as the lineup is concerned, hey, I, look, I don't have to tell you. Yankee fans, you know. You're not sure what's going on in the left field. You're not sure what's going on in the infield. The fact that DJ LeMahieu came in and said he feels great, hasn't felt this great in a while, that's positive. That's great news. That's what you love to hear. Okay? But you still got issues. What, is Josh Donaldson, is he is he done offensively or is he going to be able to come back and, and give you, you know, be more – be more offensive minded than he was previously. What do you, you know, what are you thinking? What, what do you expect from him? I mean, you don't know. You don't know. Hopefully he's better than he was last year offensively because offensively he was horrible. And the times he did get hits, you know, he was, you know, Cadillacking around the bases and got thrown out. So that's not a good situation. You know, IKF, nobody wants him at shortstop. So it's just, it's, it's, you know, it's crazy. It's a really unsettled situation with this Yankee club. All right, and then what is Glaber, will Glaber Torres ever be the player he was when he first came up his first couple of years? Ever, ever. And I'm not going to depress you talking about what's going on in the outfield. All right, I'm not. So those are the things that you're wondering about. And for, for the Yankees, are you going to get some offense from your catching position? I mean, I know that Trevino and Higashioka were solid defensively. They were. But, you know, there's got to come a time when this Yankee team stretches their lineup out and you get some offense up and down the lineup. And, you know, that has not been the case for consistently for the past couple of seasons. That has hurt them. It has. As far as the Mets are concerned, you know, you just really – it's – Funny, but it's all about the pitching with them too, right? With Verlander and Scherzer at the top of that rotation, that's what you're expecting, that that's going to be the big, you know, the top two. Those are going to be the guys that's going to carry your staff. Senga, I don't know what I'm getting from him yet. You know, Carrasco was outstanding last year. He was. He was much better than I ever thought he was going to be. Got hurt a little bit, came back. He was wasn't as good, but he was solid. So, you know, I and Quintana as the fifth starter, solid. So I, I think the, the rotation's gonna be good. I just don't know what to expect from Senka. And can Carrasco be as good as he was this year like he was last year? All right. The the bullpen I think is solid. Robertson, I like. Uh, Adovino, uh, you know. Pitched well last year. Drew Smith was very good. Edwin Diaz had an outstanding year as a closer. Can he duplicate that this year? I don't know. We'll find out. I would love to, I would love for him to do that. But he was so dominant, I don't know that he can duplicate that as, as solid as he was last year. Uh, I'm very curious to see what happens with Francisco Alvarez. Is he going to be the number one catcher. Will he get a will he get an opportunity to prove that he can be the number one catcher? Defensively and offensively. I mean, offensively, we know with the home runs and the power and the average was not bad, that he's a he's a guy that's solid. He's a guy that in the minor leagues has he's earned his way. To even have to even sit on the bench during that Atlanta series at the end of the season last year. Okay, so we know what he brings to the table. 
But can he do that? Is he ready now to be the number one catch? Or is he going to be behind Nito and, and uh, is he going to be behind Nito? Obviously, Peter Alonzo, we're good with him. We know what he brings to the table. Uh, the DHs, right? You got uh, Vogelbach and, and, and Ruff. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. For me, what's real interesting with this Met lineup is going to be uh, Luis Guillaume. Because I thought he had a tremendous year average-wise. And when he got hurt, along with Starling Marte, it really just took a lot of starch out of that Met lineup. And when he came back, he wasn't the same player, Guillaume. And Marte missed the Atlanta series. And listen, if he had been in the Atlanta series, as you saw in the limited time he was able to play against the Padres in the postseason, if he had been in the Atlanta series, I just think it would have been different. He adds some stability in the middle of that lineup. Right, he adds some stability. He he's he's a guy that can hit the all fields. He's got some power. So I just it was it was a big miss that he wasn't out there. It really was. So you know injuries are going to be the thing. All right, injuries are going to be the thing. Uh, Escobar is my third baseman. It's okay. And look, the one thing that I really enjoyed about this Met team last year was what was different. Obviously, the pitching was good. But the one thing that I really enjoyed about them was defensively how well they played. I mean, this was a team that on a couple of a couple of seasons was kicking the ball around the, the diamond. Last year's second fewest errors in the league. So that's a, that's a big-time improvement. It helps you. I don't have to tell you. It helps your pitchers. You don't get teams don't get extra opportunities to beat you by extending innings and extending pitches. And once again, with these rules, it is going to be interesting to see how long people get take adjustments, teams and batters, pitchers, how long they takes them to adjust to the new rules. So we'll figure that out. But in what in theory, in theory, should be a more offensive season. You really don't want to give teams extra opportunities in the lineup to beat you. And so the fact that they weren't kicking the baseball around was good. I've said it before about Lindor. I expect him to have a tremendous season. He had a very good season last year. He had a very good season last year. He did. It's just there were a couple of times in big spots that you know, he, he didn't come through as I thought he would. So we'll see what happens with that. Um Tommy Pham is going to be interesting. Uh, he just is. He's he's just going to be interesting how he, you know, to go from uh, number one hater <laughs> to a member of the team and how will Met fans greet him? Will they have the attitude of, well, he's our guy now. We love him. Let's bring him on in. Or will some of them still be like, eh, all right, we'll see. I'll give you the answer to that. A couple of big hits, he'll be fine. A couple of big, hit, big hits and some big spots. He'll be beloved, beloved uh, by the Mets. Beloved. And, um, you know, Brandon Nimmo and center field and Mark Hanna. Can I just tell you, Mark Hanna to me was a, for me, 
was an under-the-radar pickup that was excellent. Defensively, he was excellent, solid at, at the plate, uh, real good in the smart player, real good in the lineup. I, I really, I really enjoyed him. So I'm looking forward to see what this Met team is going to do this year. All the pressure's on them. All the pressure's on them. It's World Series of bust for this Met team. It is. They have to get to the World Series. They have to. They cannot, even if they don't win the division, they have to get to the World Series. That's the bottom line. Of course, you want to win the division. But, I mean, they won the division last year. Hundred, Well, should have won the division last year. 101 wins. Nothing. That wraps up this edition of the Larry Hardesty Show. We thank you for joining us, Joe. Fabulous job, my friend. Up next, the conversation continues about NBA All-Star Weekend on 98.7 ESPN.